We turn together to the book of Proverbs once again. For our afternoon series, this book of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 16 to begin. Proverbs 12:16 A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. Thought this afternoon is affection, not anger, or control your temper. Anger management, yes. But it's not like we have half of our heart with wrath and half of it with gentleness. But there is a righteous indignation. We read together from John chapter 2 of the Lord Jesus cleansing the temple an exhibition of His righteous indignation. But there are other passages as well like His scathing rebuke of the Pharisees recorded In Matthew 23, where I think eight times we record, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Certainly, you would have seen the Lord Jesus turning red on that day. And I'm sure there were some people that were taken aback. That was a little foreboding of And I saw a great white throne and Him that sat upon it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. But there also is an unrighteous indignation. The Lord's half-brother James mentions this, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For that wrath, he's saying, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. There are many Christians that admit that they have a problem with their temper. And I would dare say if you took a, a, a uh, survey that many, maybe most believers would say that they have a problem with this particular sin of of hatefulness or, or uh, uncontrollable anger. What is the solution? Counsel? Well, I will not deny that in the multitude of counselors there's safety. But like Peter Masters from Spurgeon's Tabernacle said, he said, pray, pray, pray through the day and through the years and the Lord can change us. But words like we find in Proverbs, the Word of God. Proverbs are actually words of counsel. I'm not denying the multitude of human counselors that could help. But we find in the wisdom literature and throughout the Bible passages that teach us to cause the Word of God to cultivate or to saturate us. And as we're being saturated, it's like meat that's being 
what do they call it when they soak meat? Yes, the Word of God marinates us. And we can become gentle people who have had a history of, well, a lack of gentleness. Ten chapters in Proverbs, at least, mention this sin and how to deal with it and its damaging effects. Over 15 verses in Proverbs deal with anger. It is a form of hatred. It certainly is a breach of the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. We are to be our brother's keeper, not our brother's killer. There are many factors that we could surmise. Family history certainly is a factor. We do imitate those that we are closest to. The famous painting of the uh, tracks of two people that end up being the track of one. There are triggers to anger. For instance, in Proverbs 20, verse 1, it says, Strong drink is raging. Drunkenness can be a trigger to unrighteous anger. Inflammatory speech is mentioned in Proverbs. There's a way in which we can incite someone with just one word. We need to avoid inflammatory speech and inflammatory actions. I saw a video talk about inflaming someone. There was a man that was at an outdoor shower after he was after he swam in salt water, and he was simply washing his his, his head. His head was under the water, just trying to refresh himself. And someone above him took dishwashing liquid and dumped. It on his head, and as he was, he just could not believe that suds were coming out, and he washed his head again, and as just as he had his head just about um, washed off, the fellow came again. It must have happened four times, four or five times, and finally, the guy just went in a rage, and uh, was looking to see what was happening. He thought it was in the water. He couldn't tell that it was, so, but that's provoking someone to wrath. And uh, that certainly is the excessive way of doing so, but still, it's, it, it goes to show that we can provoke someone to wrath. But may I say that prayerlessness can lead to a fall in this way, especially in the moment of testing if we have not prayed. A lack of Scripture saturation can lead to excessive anger. Again, it doesn't have to be that you were brought up in a home with excessive anger. You can develop it if we are not careful. The devil wants to to, uh, insert some vice in our lives that we may not have had before. It just took that first time for someone to become a thief. So prayerlessness is something the devil looks for in a Christian or the lack of Scripture saturation, a lack of love. 
we certainly need to remember to study Scripture and study biographies like our Savior's to see how He responded to situations that maybe we have responded with excessive anger. So, some thoughts on controlling our temper. And I'd like us to consider some alliteration this afternoon using the letter C. First of all, the crime of wrath and fury. As I look over the... I, I gather the texts in Proverbs and, and set them on a piece of paper and just looked over these texts and came up with these few thoughts. Well, the Proverbs definitely recognizes that there is a righteous indignation, an unrighteous indignation. The crime of wrath. It's described in a sense as an, an impulsive explosion like that man who had the, the uh, dishwashing soap or the shampoo poured upon his head. But it's called a fool's wrath in chapter 12 and verse 16. We read this or heard this read earlier. It says, a fool's wrath. So, this wrath is, is characteristic of a fool. In other words, it is sin. It's, a, it's foolishness. And foolishness is sin. It's also called fool's wrath in chapter 27, verse 3. It's described as being soon angry in chapter 14, verse 17. So, it is an anger that's quick to occur. Not like a simmering or like a slow to boil. It's something that it is impulsive. It's something that you're quick to wrath. That's what it says in James. Be slow to speak, slow to wrath. For he's saying that someone who's quick to wrath is sinful. Interestingly, there's a picture involved in chapter 14, verse 29. It says someone that is short of nostrils, literally. 14.29 he that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. So obviously one that is soon to wrath is lacking understanding. But the word slow to wrath is short of nostril. That's not saying it's someone that has a small nose. And it's not saying that someone like I am who has a big nose cannot have the sin of, of anger. But what it has the idea of that the red fills the nose quickly is the idea. It's uh, you ever seen one of those games at the fair where you take the big sledgehammer and you hit the bell at the bottom or whatever it is. You hit the, you hit the uh, spot at the bottom and that, that thing goes up to the top and rings a bell. Well, most of the time it didn't make the top. I never got a bell to ring. But that's kind of what it is that, that your bell can ring pretty quickly. In other words, it's not very high for someone to ring your bell. It doesn't take much. And that's the idea. We're short of spirit. Chapter 19, verse 33, it says that someone frets against the Lord. And the word fret is the word for rage. In other words, there are, there are people that blame God. And this is something that can happen to a Christian too. Say when you hit your hand... Uh, with your hammer or something happens you drop something and break it 
Uh, you've heard some people say, for instance, come on. But who are they talking to when they're alone? And there are times that people actually blame the Lord for some accident or from some mishap. But remember Uzziah when he went in, he usurped the priest's office and the priest rebuked him. And he, it says that he was wrathful versus the priests, quick to wrath. And then, of course, God struck him with leprosy and he, he went out uh, quicker than his wrath was stirred to leave the place. But it says that there are people that rage against God. Like the one man, remember I told you that was an invalid, but that wasn't the reason. Maybe it was. I don't know the answer, but maybe he became an invalid and he became angry against God for his injury. I don't know, but he had called for the preacher to come and visit him. But little did the preacher know that uh, as he was descending the man's stairs, the man said, come on in. And the preacher opened the, the uh, curtain and the man had a shotgun pointed at him. And he said, I hate God and you're the closest to God that I know of, so I'm going to kill you. And the preacher lived to tell about it. But these things uh, indicate that there are people that have even wrath against God and are furious against Him. It's a crime. It's sin to be wrathful in a sinful way against a human being and wrathful against the Lord. But only they know how God's patience will wear out one day. Can you imagine facing sinners in the hands of an angry God? And I read recently, never heard this before, but someone preached on God in the hands of angry men. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. But one day those angry men, if they weren't saved, will be in the, in the presence of an angry God. He'll be on their side this time. The crime of wrath. Remember that. Let's call it what it is. Some people say, well, that's just me. You know, that's how I was brought up. And, you know, that's just me. I get over it. Instead of facing it, that it's sin. We need to face unrighteous wrath and fury and, and being, being quick to, of spirit and confess our sins to the Lord and ask the Lord to take away that furious spirit. Secondly, the crisis of wrath. It is a crisis. You can't just say, well, it just happened to me once. But that one exhibition of wrath can lead to disaster. You know, the person that's murdered one person in his life and is in jail for the rest of his life or that has had his life forfeited can say, it just happened once. I got angry at the person for running into me. You see this all the time with road rage. There are people that get angry because they were cut off or because um, one lady said that her, she feels her husband was killed because he just simply turned on his, in, his wiper, uh, his uh, wind, windshield wiper spray, and she felt she had no idea other than the fact that he had just used his wiper spray and it went over the top of the car to the car behind, and the car behind went, and the man got up front and shot the man to death. So it is a crisis. It can, it can very well be a crisis. 
It says in chapter 14, verse 29, notice, He that is slow to wrath of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. So it exalts sin. It causes sin. It stirs up strife. Twice we're told in Proverbs 15, 18, and 29, 22. It threatens marriage. Look at chapter 21 and verse 19. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. Well, you can reverse that. It's better for a woman to dwell in the wilderness and take a walk out in the woods than to, than to remain in the house with a cantankerous man. But the point is, it, it is threatening marriage. That marriages often dissolve because of an angry spouse. It is contagious. Look at chapter 22 and verse 24. We're told in 22.24, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. Why? Lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to your soul. So it's, it is contagious, like father, like son, but like friend. You know, birds of a feather flock together. But the point is that you know, when you start a relationship with a person that's an angry person, you can easily become angry. It, it wears off on you. We have to be careful. We're salt and light, but sometimes the world can influence and affect us. We've got to be careful that we don't have that friendship with the world. It's one thing to befriend a soul, be a friend of sinners, but it's another thing by spending time with a lost person where no longer are you and I affecting that person, but now they're affecting us. We have to discern when it starts to reverse. And especially with an angry person. Chapter 27, verse 3, uh, we can affect the emotional stability of a person. 27.3 says, A stone is heavy and the sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. What's it saying? Is it heavy to the fool? Or is it... I think it's saying, because it's it's talking about the effect of others in that context, that our anger can cause emotional instability in our home, in our marriage, in our friendship, in the church. In other words, it's hurtful. Chapter 29 and verse 22 says that an angry person stirs up strife and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. So, it's saying that a furious person multiplies his transgressions. His fury continues, but it adds adds other sins. Like, a furious person can murder. A furious person can uh, manipulate someone uh, and take advantage of them uh, physically. And many other sins. In other words... Furious people are explosives ready to do damage. So indeed, it's not only a crime, it's a crisis when wrath is out of control, when anger is unrighteous. Thirdly, the character of wrath. Certain sins characterize people. They're not just sins that someone does. It's, it's the sinner. It it's, it's, can be a, 
a high-handed sin. And there are believers that still struggle with previous sins before they were saved. We can't just think that, you know, once I'm converted that my, my habits, my bad habits of the past are over with. Sometimes it's true. I've heard of people that were drunk and they were able to almost immediately curb their drunkenness when they got saved. Or drugs or some other sin. But this is one of those sins that is not usually immediately tamed. Again, it's called a fool's wrath. In other words, it's characteristic of the fool. The Bible says in chapter 15, verse 18, a wrathful man. It's his characteristic. It's what describes him. It's an adjective, in other words. Chapter 19, 19, a man of great wrath. Talking about an ill-tempered man. It's saying that uh, he's not controllable. No matter how you help him, he just continues to be out of control. And that's the context of 19.19. Even your, your, well, uh, your, your good intentions to help someone, and that includes some other sins too, like drunkenness and drugs. Uh, you help a person forever and it just seems like they, they, never, they never change. But in chapter 19, 19, it says, A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment, and he should be punished. But for if you deliver him, you must do it again. In other words, all your, Ill, all your good wishes just seem to be rejected by him. And there are people like that. They're, they're high-maintenance people, but they never change. And you look back 20 years ago, we tried to help that person for five years or more, and they just kept going back like the, the, the sow to its mud. And they continue to live the way they're living. The way they used to live. 21.19 A contentious and an angry woman. That's a characteristic. It's not just something that you know we fall into once in a while, but that's describing the woman. So in other words, it's not only saying that it, she threatens the marriage, but it's warning us never to marry an angry person. We ought to be careful that we don't enter into quickly into a, a covenant relationship that is to be lifelong. Chapter 22, verse 24, again, an angry, it's called an angry man and a furious man. And finally, a man of nostrils or small nostrils, 29, 22, someone with an explosive temper. It's saying that there are sins that can characterize us. Now, we are sinners saved by grace if we're Christians. But it doesn't mean that we don't have an easily besetting sin. I think if, if every Christian was honest, they'd, say they'd have at least one or more sins that seem to dog them. And this is especially a dangerous one because it is so damaging in relationships and even to your own heart. And it's something that's hard to shake. You know, it's like the snake that was holding on to the Apostle Paul. And uh, he was able to shake it off into the fire. And we need to shake it off, but it takes time, doesn't it? Of gluttony, it, t- it says that it takes 40 days of, of, of good eating habits to finally conquer your overeating sin. And 
Um, it's true. The character of wrath. Fourthly, the catalyst of wrath. We start with chapter 15 and verse 1. What's a, what's a catalyst or a trigger for wrath? A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. So it's saying grievous words are a catalyst of wrath. The word grievous means harsh, inflammatory. Actually, the word words in chapter 15 verse 1 is singular. A grievous word stirs up anger. You know, it can only take one word. That's all it takes. I can remember, and I wasn't calling the man that was coming toward me that word, but I, when I was a, an obnoxious grade school person, I must have been 12, I don't remember, 11, 10. Well, I was standing on a sidewalk and a friend of mine walked past me going that way. And you know how you exchange... Uh, you know, barbs to each other. But uh, an overweight person happened to be walking toward me. And I called my friend a fatso. I mean, you talk about the wrong timing. And this man was just about in arm's distance when I called Matt. And I remember who it was. It was Matt Moore. I, I called him fatso. And the next thing I know, I'm on, the, I'm on my back on the sidewalk. And he's standing over me. I said, why'd you do that? His name was Mike. I remember his name. He said, you called me fatso. I, I was talking to Matt. And he just walked his way and enjoyed that, that knockout punch. One word is all it took. Well, I guess it was two words, but fatso, that's really just one word, isn't it? We say that with tongue in cheek, but I've gotten myself punched uh, in, with inflammatory speech. Look at chapter 20 again in verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Now, what it's saying is that strong drink is a catalyst to rage. Drunkenness is a catalyst to rage. And we know that's proverbially, proverbially don't we? Now, how often did we see that outside the stadium? What shocked me was not so much the drunkenness, but the amount of ladies that were drunk. And often people are so quick to wrath when they're on drink. I know that drink affects people in different ways, but I think most of the time it doesn't affect a person to be more gentle. If they're anything, they're going to be more furious. So, if, if you are, have the liberty of drinking alcohol, be careful. Because drunkenness is a trigger for anger and wrath. Chapter 25 and verse 23, I think it's, it's a failure to act that can be a trigger or at least cannot stop someone from being angry. Look at that text. 25 and verse 23 says, The north wind driveth away rain, so doth an angry countenance a backbiting tongue. What is that saying? If you fail to rebuke a wrathful person, you're actually, you're actually uh, facilitating him. Does the parent stop the child from being angry, uh, throwing a fit? The child complains when he doesn't get its way, or the child 
throws a tan- temper tantrum. And what do we do if we say nothing? We've got to use Scripture. We've got to rebuke one another. The wise one hears rebuke, we're taught in Proverbs. So it's the lack of action. This person has an angry countenance. In other words, you know, you, you, your, your, your superior watches you sin and, and you look at their face and that's all it takes. Uh, an angry countenance actually stops my anger, as it were. He's bigger than I am. But, and she's right. They respond to my unrighteous indignation with righteous indignation just in their face. Isn't it true? Uh, Tanya said that all her father had to do was was look uh, cross and and uh, her tail drop between her legs. That's all. That's all he had to do. Oh, I wish that it was that easy for my father and mother. But you know what? Sometimes just being obedient to God is a trigger to some people to be angry. Look at chapter 28 and verse 4. They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. Something Just doing right is, is all it takes to provoke somebody who's a, an angry person. Some people are just implacable, the Bible says. They hate the upright. That's all it takes. You didn't have to do anything. I remember Tanya and I were... I remember the town. It was Bland, Virginia, off Route 77. I don't know how they would keep that name, but Bland, Virginia. And I pulled up to the gas station. There's a, there's a restaurant there. There's no gas station much before it or after it, so it's famous because it's, it's out in the middle of nowhere. Well, I pulled up, and I, I didn't realize it, but I pulled up at a tank at a spot where there was um, not just gasoline, but diesel, yes. And what I should have done is when I finished filling the tank, I should have pulled over into a spot and left it open. But I, I didn't think I was going to be in the store very long, and I kept my, my car outside. Tiny and I went inside, and we came out. And there's a man sitting on his trunk behind us with a truck. And he had a diesel truck. And uh, I didn't even say a thing. And the man says, yeah, what an idiot New Yorker. (laughs) That's all it took. And uh, I have to confess to you, my temptation was to do this. And, And I knew that if I did that, that I wouldn't be here today. And I actually... Isn't it sad? It's my own heart, but I actually thought in my heart I should have said something like, takes one to know one. But I didn't say those things, but the Lord knew I did it in my heart and I had to ask the Lord forgiveness. But I didn't say it or act it, and we just kept quiet, closed the doors, and took off. And I lived to tell about it. But he was nasty. You could tell the kind. He wanted to pick a fight. And there are just people that want to pick a fight and just you don't have to do anything. And all it takes is nothing to trigger them. But uh, we certainly know that there are catalysts. I've told you the story about the vacuum. Remember the vacuum um, owner? I worked uh, on campus um, picking up items that were ordered and picking up mail. And and, uh, I was told, I want you to take this vacuum. It was one of those vacuums that were cordless. 
not that they had uh, um, batteries, but it was, you know, the ones that you see in restaurants where they go under your legs while you're trying to eat. And, you know, they're, they're picking up stuff with those, what do you call them, the silent vacuums. Well, I was told, we want you to exchange this at such a vacuum place and get a new one. Okay, I didn't know any facts. Why are they doing this? What happened? Just do it. They gave me an address. Take this vacuum back. So I'm whistling um, and parked and I'm going up to the door and I open the door. And I, what I do remember is the bell's ringing. You know, they want, you, they want to know when a customer comes in because it could be a thief. Well, I walk in. I, immediately I felt like it was a hostile environment. You know, it's just... One of those things. It's kind of like a, when a rat is dropped in a snake cage. You ever seen a rat in a snake cage? It takes about three or four seconds and the rat realizes it's in danger. Well, this rat walked in the vacuum store and I knew it was just an eerie silence. And I looked and a tall man sticked his head out and then he put it back in. I said, uh-oh. He was looking at me and then he was tall, but then a little guy comes running out and he comes straight toward me. He had to be not more than five foot, but he got up on his tippy toes and he almost put his, his nose up to mine. He says, you don't like doing business with us? I don't need your business. And he just started just going like crazy. He'd been smoking a cigarette and it was just terrible. And finally, I thought of Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer. I said, sir, I'm just a grunt. I have no idea what you're talking about. I've been told to take this vacuum and exchange it for another one. And you ever seen a, 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 a balloon pop? He just... He said, you're not the guy I talked to on the phone. I said, sir, I'm just... A, I'm just a guy working in the, in the, in the uh, shop. And I'm just, he says, you tell your boss I don't want his business anymore. Apparently this it was, had happened to be a, a display vacuum. And they wanted a new vacuum. And they must have seen some, some dirt in this display vacuum. And they wanted to exchange it for a new one. I think to save testimony, we, I wouldn't have wanted to exchange it, right? Just to clear our testimony. So what I'm saying is just, just the catalyst of, of being inflammatory and being careful how we deal with people out in the community. Sometimes we need to take uh, a hit on the chin rather than try to press our way so that we can have a good relationship with those that are in the community. May I say, um, is it sixthly? The control of wrath. The Bible talks about he that rules the Spirit is very wise. Chapter 16 and verse 32. 16.32 He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his Spirit than he that taketh the city. See, the Bible teaches you can control your emotions. If you're a believer, the fruit of the Spirit is temperance. We're saved from our sins. And even though we have had that problem, that sin in the past, by the filling of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, we can begin to be slow to wrath by being swift to hear. And uh, 
The Lord says in the book of James, let every man be slow to wrath. So it's saying you can become slow to wrath. And the key, notice in the same context, is swift to hear. So it goes along with what Peter Masters said. Pray, pray, study, meditate, memorize God's Word. Chapter 14, verse 29 says, a man of, uh, who's slow to anger is a man of great understanding, unusual discernment. In other words, it's a man that's developing patience, long-suffering. It's something that's acquired and not immediately purchased. Chapter 19, verse 11 says, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger. The word discretion means wisdom. He's using wisdom. He's saying, look, a quick answer is going to just rile this person up. And before we answer, we think about how Christ would answer and we pray. Interestingly, in chapter 21 and verse 14, it actually says bribes uh, can settle a angry person. And you say, how are we going to explain that? A gift in secret pacifieth anger and a reward in the bosom strong wrath. It says what it says, right? Now, it's not saying that this bribe is evil because it's saying that the wrath obviously is something that needs to be curbed. So how do you, how do you unpack that one? Number one, is it saying that you're trying to interfere justice? Because that's what a bribe is. A bribe is to interfere justice. But that's, I don't think that's the context. I don't think it's saying it's a good thing to bribe pe- a person to interfere justice. So if you take it in the context of godliness... You're trying to foster goodwill in a person that's angry with you. Um, how else do you break a person's window? You don't just say, let bygones be bygones. You say, sir, what can I do? I'll pay for it and I'll also I'll pay for someone to, to, to fix it. You're ready to, to spend. You're ready to, to go the second mile. I saw another video. I don't know why these people want to provoke people and then they try to make up for it. And one of these days they're going to get hurt for it. Well, this guy was listening to... I don't know what he was listening to. He had earbuds on and the guy walked up behind him with scissors and cut his earbuds. And the guy just rose up in fury and was ready to punch him. And the guy pulls out a brand new expensive pair of earbuds. And I'm thinking, buddy, you could have been killed before that guy realized that you were trying to help him and encourage him. Well, that was a gift in secret that, that certainly curbed his, his anger, but I wouldn't try that. But I think there's a principle involved here that if we hurt someone, if we do something that, you know, whether an accident or is, is, is a real crime, we need to repent. We need to confess. We need to ask their forgiveness. We need to do what we can to rectify the situation no matter how much it costs. So there's a principle there of how to control someone's wrath. And I think we all find our way our t- at times with neighbors who get upset with us for one reason or another. And uh, we have to do our best to try to settle the issue. As I told you the one time I had, I had two uh, people that I cut grass for years ago in Greenville, South Carolina... And one was a doctor, one was a, 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 a CPA. And 
I got the doctor's um, lawn first, so I mowed his lawn, and then two, two doors over, the, the other man came over and said, would you do my lawn? So I would do the doctor's and the CPA's the doc, every Saturday, one after the other. But I, I really got tired doing the um, CPA's uh, lawn because it was thicker and I had to do a walk behind and I had a rider and it was easier. But what I found was if I got a little tired, I was really tired with the second lawn. So I thought, do the harder one first. I wasn't because of higher pay. Do the hard one first and the easier one second. So I reversed it. But about the second week that I did that, the doctor was standing at the end of his driveway when I finished the first lawn. Aren't I paying you enough? Uh, you like their, them better than, than, than us? I said, no, sir. I said, it's just harder to do that lawn. And I, I just want to get, I have more strength when I start on Saturday morning. And he didn't like it. So I went back to doing the doctor's first and the CPA's second. But, you know, you, you got, I could have quit. I could have said, you know, it's none of your business. I'm doing your lawn. But, you know, you have to, you have, to have that soft answer. And to do what you can to, to uh, counteract the wrath. And I, the next thought is confronting wrath. Not just the uh, control of wrath. How do we deal with it? Well, we deal with it with a soft answer. Chapter 15, verse 1. We deal with it by not being angry ourselves. Someone who's slow to anger appeases strife. It takes two to argue. Let us not be that second person. We pacify it. Chapter 16, verse 14. I think the idea there is tactfulness. God help us to be tactful. 16 and 14. The wrath of the king is his messengers of death, but a wise man will pacify it. So a tactful way of approaching someone that you know is going to be angry. Forgiveness. Chapter 19, verse 11. And someone is, is wrathful toward us and flies off the handle and says something he shouldn't, does something he shouldn't. What's our response? Look at chapter 19, verse 11. It's, it goes along with 10, verse 12. Love covers all sins. 19.11 says that a man of discretion, will it's his glory to pass over a transgression. It's talking about forgiveness. Next time someone is is unrighteously angry towards you, rather than necessary, not every time maybe you point it out or just forgive them, just pass over it. Maybe they had a real bad day, but I think if it's something that is chronic, that it needs to be dealt with. Chapter nineteen, verse nineteen a says someone like that is going to find himself behind bars. And the only thing that can happen to those folks is imprisonment or execution if they kill someone. But 19b speaks about kindness. Now, it's saying at least this much, kindness must be repeated because that person is incorrigible. He's not going to change. But if you try to intervene, with charitable action, he might become even more aggressive. And that's, that's where you really need wisdom. Because you think by intervening, you're going to help someone. Dave and I went door to door years ago. Do you remember this? Over here at this road, 
the neighbors were nose to nose with each other. Do you remember that? It was right on the edge of each other's property. It's this 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 road, the dead end, May Road, May Ave, May Road over here. The, the 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 men literally had their noses against each other, and the wife was on this side, and they're just screaming back and forth at each other. And I'm trying to intervene. It's kind of like a, catching a dog by the ears. I said, "Sirs, it life's too short. You know, your neighbors." And the woman's saying, "Get them," you know, you know, to her husband. And Dave and I were trying to intervene, and I thought, but we just said. It's impossible. We went to the next door. But if I'd have kept trying to intervene, they'd have probably been like Herod and and Pilate and become friends and I'd have had two black eyes. But, you know, there there needs to be wisdom in dealing with that kind of situation. So the, the Proverbs is just so full. We confront wrath with being kind to someone, like I said before, chapter 21, verse 14. Sometimes we just leave the situation because we know if we stay in the situation, we're going we're gonna to throw around our wrath. Remember the king when he found out that Haman was involved in, in uh, the uh, potential death of his queen? When he found out, what did he do? He left and went outside to cool off. And uh, there's, there's a point that's being made there. Chapter 21, verse 19 says, it's better to dwell in the, <laughs> in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. Well, I'm going to say it to Tanya. If I'm contentious and angry, it's better for you to go out the back, take a walk, or just do something rather than for us to escalate a situation. Hopefully you won't have to take too many walks. Uh, but we need... To be careful, to, not to ex. How about avoiding friendship? There are some people we ought not to be too friendly with because they're angry people. And that's what Proverbs 22:24 says. Don't be with angry people or you're going to adopt their anger. Anger sometimes needs to be met with anger. 25:23, Or even a logical argument. And obviously that's something we need to keep in mind, chapter 29 and verse 9 seems to indicate try to be logical, but some people you can't be logical. Verse 9, If a wise man contendeth with a foolish man, whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest. In other words, a wise man is trying to be logical, but the fool isn't responding. He's either responding with more rage or he's going to laugh at you. So you just, in that case, you got to walk away and say he has no hope right now. And may I say finally, there is hope that an angry person can be a gentle person, the counteraction of love. You can turn your vice into virtue, just like the prohibitions and the precepts in the Ten Commandments. An angry person is a person that is not a brother's keeper, he's a brother's killer. But you can become a person that loves your brother and sister, is no longer a hateful person. You can love your neighbor. Jesus said to the woman, go and sin no more. And He can say to any of us, in any of our sins, I forgive you. Go and sin no more. He can change us. We need to listen to God's Word. We need to pray for God's Spirit. We need to practice God's love. We need to be ready to forgive. 
slow to take offense. We need ourselves daily repentance. But always keep in mind soft answering, soft answering, soft answering. Never be inflammatory. Be careful about inflammatory speech, inflammatory actions. Don't pour shampoo upon someone's head who's trying to wash himself in those outdoor showers. Do we always have to comment when we don't like something? Can we not be careful to comment positively? Let us always be thankful. God help us to be grump- to avoid grumpiness. You know, old age doesn't have to be characterized by being sour. Pray that I'll be sweet and not sour. I know people like sour cherries and sour candy, but I'd rather have sweet if I'm going to eat something. I'd rather have sweet cherries. And I'd rather have a a sweet older person. And the Bible says that we can bear fruit in old age. We can be green and flourishing. The Bible tells us that the one who controls the Spirit is better than the mighty, better than one who conquers a city. And in chapter 19 and verse 11, it seems to say that a person... A person's glory is to be a gentle person who passes over a transgression. It's something to be thankful for. And in chapter 22 and verse 24, reverse it. If you're a gentle person, people will want to befriend you and want to be your friends. And you'll be that friend that will mold people to be gentle. So God help us to be a gentle mold and not an angry mold. Let's not be angry birds. Let's pray.